I'm Tony Payne and welcome to the second edition of The Painful Truth. Really nice to have you here and thank you so much to the many of you who sent in encouraging messages of support over the last week after my first edition last Monday. I'm terribly sorry of course that the image of the Nissan Cedric that many of you were obviously looking forward to seeing didn't come through on the email as promised. I realize now what I did wrong and hopefully the glorious image of Bob Catter with his hat will be in the email this time around and I hope you will bear with me over these first few weeks as I kind of get into the rhythm and, and get over the glitches of this new text and audio format that I'm working on. It's early March as I write and speak and all across this somewhat post-apocalyptic land of Australia with its bushfires and floods and toilet paper shortages, churches are launching their small groups for the year, or whatever you happen to call them in your part of the world. I've taken to calling ours the Missional Disciple-Making Gospel Community Growth Teams, just to sort of cover all bases. And as we get together in our small groups to start the year, we welcome back old faces, we welcome in the newbies, and we start to get back into the rhythm of Bible study and prayer and chat. But what sort of rhythm exactly are we getting back into? What really are these small groups that are such a feature now of church life? And what are they for? Well, both in theory and in practice, there is a wide range of answers to that question. And those answers, answers range all the way from a fairly relaxed view of what a small group is, that a small group is a fairly relaxed care and share and prayer kind of event with fairly light touch leadership sort of facilitation kind of leadership at one end of the spectrum, right through to the other end of the spectrum where small groups are kind of regarded as almost little churches in miniature with responsible pastoral leadership and with most of the features that we would attach to church. And obviously where you land on that spectrum as to what you think a small group really is and is for will have very serious implications, not only for group expectations and norms, but for what sort of leader is trained and appointed and what kind of activities the group will focus on. I was in a group of Christian leaders not that long ago where we were discussing this very question. Is the small group really a little church or not? And what would be the implications of thinking that? Now, I suspect that many of us are on not the extreme ends of that spectrum, but somewhere in the middle. I doubt that many of you listening here want our small groups just to be loosely organised, care and share, friendly Christian catch-ups. But I also doubt that many of us think that our small groups are just a, a viable replacement for church in the sense of what the local congregation is. Now, good quality small groups do share some of the significant qualities and nature and even purposes of our Sunday congregational gatherings. They're opportunities for Christians to gather around the Word of Christ together in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, to encourage one another with Jesus present with us. That sounds a bit like church, doesn't it? But we also sense that small groups are not exactly equivalent to church either, that the larger main Sunday gathering and the community that is formed and constituted by that gathering is a different key is a different thing in some key respects from say the small Wednesday night missional disciple making gospel community growth team but what are those differences exactly what are the differences between church 
and our small groups that are so much a part of our churches? Well, there are various ways to answer that question. We could go down a kind of structural way of thinking and think about the kind of ways in which the two groups are constituted, the nature of their leadership, the level of pastoral responsibility that each one bears, the kind of longevity and permanence and stability of each one as a Christian community, and so on. And those are all valid and important areas to explore. But the PhD research that I've been doing over the last few years, and which is now blessedly completed, has suggested a fresh approach to me, and that's what I want to share with you in today's episode. A fresh approach to how we think about the differences between what church does as our Sunday gathering and our main flagship community of Christians, our local congregation of Christians as a group, and the small group, the more informal, um, smaller-sized cluster of Christians that get together regularly. And I think the differences between the two groups might helpfully be thought about in terms of how Christians grow through the Word. Now, broadly speaking, and I mean as broad as the brim of Bob Catter's hat, in the New Testament, the ministry of the Word within Christian communities operates in two overlapping zones. In one zone, the Christian mind of the whole congregation is formed, it's developed, it's guarded, and that happens through the faithful, consistent teaching of the Christ-centered truth of the Scriptures, and this being done by qualified, recognized pastor teachers. You see this in places like Colossians 1.28, 1 Timothy 4.11 following 2 Timothy 2, and so on. In our churches today, this routinely happens through the faithful, expositional, Sunday-by-Sunday -Sunday preaching of pastors and elders and overseers, or whatever you call them. That's one kind of ministry of the word within Christian communities, and it's the foundational flagship one. And let's call that kind of word ministry congregational teaching and preaching. It's a form of word ministry with which we're very familiar, which we've done a lot over the past few decades to reinforce, uh, to emphasize, to champion, uh, and to encourage, and rightly so. The expositional preaching and teaching of the word by the pastors and elders and leaders of the congregation is a kind of central heartbeat of the congregational community life. It's absolutely essential and necessary and performs a vital function. But there is another zone of word ministry, of Christian word ministry, that the New Testament describes and encourages within Christian communities. A form of word ministry that's the responsibility not of the pastors and teachers in their role as leaders, but the joy and responsibility of all Christians. And this form of word ministry, this form of speech, focuses on reminding and exhorting and encouraging and admonishing and instructing one another in various ways to make the preached word, the word that we've come to understand and grasp through the teaching that we've received, to make that word a reality in our daily lives. And right across the New Testament, in a whole bunch of ways, in fact, in 25 different passages that I identified in my study, places like Colossians 3.16 and Hebrews 3.12 and 13 and 1 Thessalonians 5.11 through to 14 and so on, we see this kind of mutual one another speech, a speech that builds and edifies the body by each member of the body in their own way, contributing that kind of speaking the truth in love for the benefit and growth 
of the whole community. Now, these two kinds of speech, let's call one congregational teaching and preaching, and let's call the other one one another edifying speech. These two zones or kinds of speech are both vital for Christian growth and Christian maturity. And of course, they do overlap. They're not two completely separate forms of speech. They kind of blend into each other a little bit because congregational teaching and preaching does contain exhortation and admonition and practical encouragement. It, it does that kind of applicatory, exhortatory, admonishing, encouraging kind of speech as it teaches. And it applies that message and that encouragement to the whole congregation, to the whole group. And conversely, one another edifying speech, the mutual speech of Christians, does contain teaching. It does contain the truth of Scripture. In fact, it's based on the truth of Scripture and is a way of, of spreading and applying and reinforcing uh, and bringing to bear the truth of Scripture. So there's overlap between these two kinds or zones of different speech in the congregational life, but the focus and function of the two kinds of speech of word ministry are different. The preaching kind of speech, the congregational teaching and preaching speech, it expounds and explains and guards the whole truth of the gospel and shows its application to all of life for the whole congregation. It forms and shapes the mind of Christ within the believers, within the members of the congregation by constantly teaching and explaining what the gospel is and how the gospel fits together in all its multifaceted brilliance. The one another edifying speech, the mutual speech of Christians, takes that truth and brings it to the individual people and individual situations that they find them themselves in, in a way that an exposition of one to many can obviously not do so well. The former kind of speech, the, the preaching and teaching, it trains my heart to understand and approach every circumstance with the mind of Christ. The latter kind of speech, the one another speech, meets me in that circumstance, stands next to me, and provides the help and encouragement I need, the exhortation or perhaps even the admonishment I need, to live out and express that mind of Christ in faithful action in that particular context. And so to put it simply, the congregational teaching and preaching kind of speech is the zone of word ministry at the centre of our Sunday church gatherings, in the sermon, most typically. And small groups provide an ideal opportunity for the other vital kind of word ministry to come to the fore and to flourish, the one another edifying speech in which we help one another as individuals to understand and to remember and to grasp and to apply the word to the granular complexity of our lives. Now, thinking about small groups through this lens helps us to calibrate our expectations for what small groups should achieve and what role small group leaders should play in that. It helps us in a number of ways. It pushes us away from the loosey-goosey kind of end of the spectrum because the subject of our sharing and our mutual conversation is not ourselves and our problems, but the Word of Christ, which is supposed to dwell richly among us as we speak to each other in these various ways. And this in turn means that small group leaders need to understand this priority and be trained in how to lead their group into the Word, 
to keep their group in the word as long as possible in the conversation so that our personal, practical, exhortatory kind of conversation with one another is word-shaped and word-driven rather than us-shaped and problem-driven. But this way of thinking about the unique contribution of small groups also warns us against the more rigorous kind of end of the spectrum in which the small group discussion is more like an interactive sermon and the leader is expected to deliver almost like a teaching of the kind that the pastors and elders are responsible for. Now, many Christian Bible study group leaders are well capable of doing this. They're mature, they're well-trained, and very able and gifted. But treating the small group like a mini-church with a mini-sermon, it not only crowds out the opportunity for the other kind of vital Christian word ministry, the one-another kind, it does also place burdens and expectations on small group leadership that the majority of leaders and churches really struggle to meet. Now, there's a lot more to say on all this, and I think I can predict that I will say more on this as over the next several uh, weeks and months. Not only about the nature of, of small group ministry, but about the commonalities and differences between pastoral preaching and teaching sort of speech and the one another word ministry of Christian believers. But lest this little conversation itself turn into too much of a sermon, rather than a brief shot of insight and instruction and encouragement, I think I'll stop there. Thanks for being with me again on this edition of The Painful Truth. Talk to you next week. Bye for now.